From CRI Simple Numbers, this is Profitability Playbook, the Simple Numbers Podcast, a podcast for those who champion market growth and anchor the nation's economy, small businesses, and entrepreneurs. Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is the Simple Numbers Profitability Playbook Podcast. I got myself, Mike Maxson, with uh, Brandon Gray and, of course, Greg Crabtree. Um, so we're going to be talking about labor efficiency. Um, this is probably going to be broken into three parts. We're going to touch on the topic of overall labor efficiency today and then get down into labor efficiency of your direct and management teams. Um, for those of you who don't know, this was a concept introduced uh, by Greg and Simple Numbers Straight Talk Big Profits and really looking at measuring your labor against gross margin dollars and uh, how we how we do that here at Simple Numbers. So uh, Greg, kick it off, give the intro to uh, where this came from and what we're looking at. You know, so as we started developing our concepts for Simple Numbers, it, it really kind of started with just doing some data analysis. And, you know, it, it really goes back to a client of mine that was a government contractor. And we, we had this interesting discussion about his financials one time. And he was doing $18 million of revenue. And, you know, I was looking at his profitability is about 2%. And, and I said, listen, you know, you, you know, this is not good. I mean, you, you know, back then I didn't have my, my guidelines of, you know, what appropriate was, but I, I just knew it wasn't enough. And I said, you know, you've got to be more than 2% profitable. What, you know, and, and he says, you don't understand. I'm not an $18 million business. I go, what? He says, no, uh, you know, I have to subcontract out to a an 8a contractor you know 51 percent of what we do so we're the 49 percent and they're the 51 percent you know on the contract so it says I, i'm really a nine million dollar business I go, well, he's right and it, it it got me to thinking about this idea of what real revenue was and so i quickly did the math and i said okay so that means you're at four percent profit which is still not good you know but but, but at least, we, we, you know, we, we got the process going. So as I, as he planted that seed in my head, I go, man, you know, what if I start categorizing all of our clients' data that has materials and subcontractors as pass-throughs and get to a redefined gross margin? So instead of the traditional gross margin that people might put labor in, it kind of seeded an idea in my head of saying, you know, really gross margin is the true economic top line of business. And then we measure labor efficiency against that number. Now, when I wrote the first book, Simple Numbers, uh, Straight Talk, Big Profits, we had not really done a lot of research uh, at that time, this was about 2009, uh, of the, the you know, targets for direct labor efficiency and management labor efficiency. And, and in reality, looking at those subcomponents, you know, those kind of vary both by industry and by labor strategy. But what has become overwhelmingly important is, listen, I don't care if it's direct labor, I don't care if it's management labor, I don't care if it's somebody taking out the trash. For 90% of the businesses that exist in a developed world economy, US, Australia, Canada, are the three economies we see a lot of data on. It's a two. 
I need two dollars of gross margin for every dollar. It's going to range between one point nine and two point one. That's how how short of a distance from beginning to end it is, and and it's just phenomenal that you know that one metric has been hiding in plain sight you know forever. And the thing is, is you can go back twenty years and calculate that number, and for an appropriately profitable business, it's a two. You can go back forty years. It's a two. Now there's been technology, there's been productivity enhancements, but the marketplace demands a price to be charged for the value of that labor input. You know, in, in every value, you know, it's kind of the concept of value add. You know, labor is a value add. If you have to deploy labor in any economic activity, it's value being added to the thing, to the product and or service you know, that you're doing. And there's an appropriate multiplier that the market gravitates to. Well, why is it a two? Well, it comes back to this. To, you know, it has to be a two to get you the appropriate return on invested capital of profit relative to capital invested. Which, oh, by the way, gets you back to a profit targeting mechanism that I've now kind of gravitated to more, more so now than, than in the beginning of looking at profit relative to gross margin. And so we've probably talked on this in some of the other podcasts or will in the future, but you know, I look at, don't look at profit to revenue because that can even be crazy within the same industry. What is consistent across almost all businesses is I need a minimum 15% profit to gross margin. I, my target should be 20%. I'm at a stretch goal at about 25. If I'm above 25, hey, you're you're doing something really good. Try to hold on to it as long as you can. The market will generally compete you back, you know, to that number. And so that two, if you think of a triangulation, I'm trying to accomplish a, a trifecta of three data points. I need a two total LER. I need a 20% or higher profit to gross margin. And they need a 50% or higher return on invested capital. But, and that all you're trying to do is get those three things into alignment. But what you'll find is if I get to a two, the other two kind of come into alignment unless uh, the only time return on invested capital doesn't come into alignment is I'm slopped, I'm not effectively managing my capital deployed. I'm giving two generous terms for AR. I'm not managing inventory correctly. I'm getting no support from my vendors. I don't try to get any deferred revenue by you know, getting my client to pay me a deposit or pay in advance and those kind of things. And so generally in the world of simple numbers, we're completing this trifecta of getting, you know, I'm getting margin per labor dollar being spent is the, is the underpinning of the economic engine of the business. But the right number tells me I hit my right profit targets, which tells me I hit my right return on investment target. And when all those things come into alignment, you're, you're running a boss of the business. Awesome stuff. Hey, I got a couple of questions. Um, Brandon, help me out here because these are questions we get a lot. And, and I actually know the answer, but I'm going to let you let you deliver it here for me. Um, you know, we talk about labor efficiency, getting the gross margin, right? Revenue, less non-labor cogs. Gets you your gross margin, gross margin, um, then divided by your direct labor gets you that labor efficiency number. But tell me, in terms of 
subcontractors, because we have clients out there that are sub heavy, some that don't use subs at all. And one of the questions I get is, hey, um, do what I count ever count my subs in uh, indirect labor? <clears throat> is my direct labor or in that labor pool that you would hold uh, accountable to gross margin? Um, could you uh, dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so if you kind of look at the relationship, it, it many times kind of drives how you're going to to determine where you put those from from a, a costing perspective and then the impact it's going to have on, on labor efficiency. So here's what I mean by that. The, the term sub is pretty broad. So you could you could have a sub that is a uh, a full company in and of itself. They're deploying their own labor. You know, you don't have any control over what's taking place uh, other than a deliverable or a milestone or something like that. Uh, in those cases, most of the time, we would put those at, in, in cost of goods sold. There's also a relationship folks have with subs to where maybe, I kind of use the term sometimes like hired gun, or you're in an industry to where you're using a lot of subs, but they're more like a, an employee-employer type of relationship. It's not a separate company in and of itself. It's one person that you're subbing this, this activity to uh, in many ways, very similar to what uh, an employee would look like from that standpoint. Uh, you, can, you can have somewhat control over to some degree. Now, you know, once again, there, there are some guidelines around if you're a subcontractor or, or an employee, we're not gonna get into that uh, from an IRS perspective. But that being said, you have a little bit more control over that labor. In those cases, we're gonna put them in direct labor. Uh, you look at, at at that concept around um, leveraging of labor. And so if I got some control over it, I can leverage it a little bit differently. Also, whenever they're a standalone company, in that rate that, that you're paying them is baked in overhead costs and other things like that that aren't necessarily as present if they are present at all whenever it's just more of that hired gun kind of relationship. So, you know, depending upon how they're treated and how you work with them many times will drive where you put them from from that perspective um, but in either case you know like greg was saying the key is you got to be able to leverage that labor and when you boil it down inside of a business there's just not a lot of cost that you have a lot of control over other than labor um, i think greg has said it you know it's the it's the only cost that shows up every day with an attitude <laughs> and so the good news is is that you can you can manage that uh, from that standpoint, you can deploy it appropriately to get a return. A lot of times when we're working with clients too, you know, we, they, they know they have a profit issue uh, or they were running at a certain level of profitability and the, the landscape changes and they're like, oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to have a profit issue. And the first place they go is, you know, trying to cut out overhead expenses that aren't labor related. And, you know, you can work night and day on that, but uh, have you ever tried to negotiate with the utility company? You know, have you have you ever went around the office and turned off all the lights? Well, you, you, you're just not going to save. There's just, in most cases, not enough meat on that bone. And so you get back to, well, what's the one number that I can impact the most? And that is going to be the management of your labor. So what you find in today, I, I had a discussion today with a marketing client we worked with for a lot of years, and they use freelance labor that we treat as a cost of goods sold to get to gross margin. Uh, as a buffer. And so when they don't have the staff to do things, they got to go freelance. Well, they pay an extra rate for that freelance Free labor yeah. because you have to leave profit in the equation for that freelancer you know, to being a freelance and as on-demand resource versus a committed resource. 
and and so you know we monitor that number and so when we see that their spending for freelancers gets to a certain level you know and it stays at that level that's telling you that you have enough room to bring on committed labor that in their case historically has been about half the cost of the internal resource versus what a, a freelancer on demand is and so our rule of thumb for them has always been when I can have an internal resource that is at 50% utilization, that's when I want to hire it internally. If I don't have at least 50% consistent utilization of that resource, I'm going to use a freelancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. And one thing I like too about the, the overall labor efficiency number, especially with a few clients I had that are in some serious growth mode, um, when we get into direct and management labor efficiency, you know, there's some there's some targets you can look at, but you're going to leverage those different labor buckets at different times. Hey, I might be investing more in direct labor at one point. I might be investing more in management labor at one point. And those and, and they get all worried and panicked and oh, I'm out of whack and I'm not in, even close to what our target is. And it's like, well, no, no, no. If you see down here, you've, you've actually been able to hold your management labor bucket steady. And that's where that overall labor efficiency comes in. It allows you just like Greg said is, hey, I. I technically don't care what it is um, it, when it comes to just getting your profit target because that, that's what that overall number. And Brandon, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you could, because uh, you know, listen, we're going to hear it. Everyone's different. Everyone, you know, is unique. Um, and they want to and they want to see what this trend is. How do they how do they hey, what is my overall labor efficiency trend? Ben? What what is my actual target? I, Greg says it's a two, but I don't know. Or Greg says one point nine. I don't know. How, how would they go about seeing uh, getting that trend? Yeah, you're right. I mean, every business is unique and every business is a little bit different, but we're yet to run across a business. That doesn't require the leveraging of labor. And so there there, there is some universal application from that standpoint so that being said then uh, one exercise that i like is well, first let's let's talk let's let's calculate your labor efficiency ratio so gross margin which is revenue less your non-labor direct cost okay divided by total labor gives you the ler so pretty simple calculation so if you can take your data we prefer to look at it on what we refer to in simple numbers as a rolling 12 um, and we've got Plenty of information, go to the website, you'll see templates and everything else on how to get your data into a rolling 12, which is basically looking at 12 months of time in each column of data for each representing each month. Uh, we like that because it takes out some of the anomalies, uh, the ups and the downs, especially if you have a seasonal business and what have you there. So if you're looking at that rolling 12, we want to we want to look at two data points. So the first is we want to look at when were you the most profitable? When were you the most efficient? And as Greg said, if you're looking at that percentage of gross margin, when was that profit the highest? Okay, so that's the first thing you're going to kind of start to look at. And you identify on that rolling 12. Oh, it, it was a year ago, for example. Okay, now let's look at what that LER is. You know, I, I, I would bet you a steak dinner that the, the those two numbers run in harmony together. The higher the profit, the higher the LER. Now, there might be some cases to where, hey, I dumped a ton of money into marketing <clears throat> in one rolling 12 period and wasn't present in another, and that kind of skewed it. But those are pretty rare. So that's the first thing I'm going to look at is I want to look at as much data across time. I might look at 12, 10, 12, 15, 20 rolling 12 periods and identify where was I at my peak. And in most of the time, you kind of can see, you know, the data tells a story of it was really high. You see it start to come down. Profit goes down and you can you can look back and then the story most of the time is, oh, that's whenever I, I brought on 
you know, executive labor. That's when I might have added to my team. I brought on a new salesperson or, you know, we added another shift to our manufacturing environment, whatever it may be. And you see it come down and then you see it come up. Well, what happened? That labor that you added then starts to uh, become efficient. So you start growing gross margin dollars because you added that labor and it comes up. So I, I like the approach a lot of times we'll show clients of, hey, this is a good target for you because this is when you were doing your best. And let's start off by hitting that again. What did your company look like at that point in time? Now, the, the only outliers on the high and the low side that, that you see, you're, you're going to see a lower than a two LER on a staffing business. And that is as you're counting, if, if I count the people that I'm contracting out of staff, you're contracting them out in a margin that's, that's not that managed multiplier rate. You know, so typically a, a staffing business is going to be somewhere between a 1.5 and a 1.7, depending on how unique the staffing is. The, on the high, that's the only one on the low side, though. Uh, I, I'll give you an example that's similar. Think of it like this. If you run a commercial cleaning business, your target total LER is about a 1.6 to 1.7 because it doesn't take any expertise to clean a toilet. I mean, you really, a, a commercial cleaning business is a staffing business in, in reality. You know, so you have to think in those terms. On the high side, I've really got three. One is retail is about a 2.5. And you're just a different model in terms of you've got, you've got kind of an extra operating expense as a retail fixed location. And so that's the reason why labor has to get a higher lever. And so that's the reason for it to exist. Secondly, a distributor. Uh, and so if you are, uh, you know, a, a distributor, you know, that one, and, and this is assuming it, very importantly that the owner who is included in those total wages is taking a wage at a market-based wage. Now we see some crazy right. LER numbers, but it's because the owner's playing salary games. So mm -hmm. this is at the owner at a market-based wage. And, but the third one is a union shop. And so we have a lot of clients in the trades that are union shops. They need to be a 2.5. And that, so an HVAC company that's non-union needs to have a total LER of two. An HVAC company that is union needs to be a 2.5. So you, you know, right there, it tells you the impact of the, the, the union shop. And I'll give you guys one more kind of thought. Uh, and Mike, may you, I might be getting, getting ahead of you here, but... Um, this is one of the most powerful metrics that you can look at in real time. So another thing a lot of our clients talk about is, you know, hey, <clears throat> I don't get my numbers till the end of the month and or, or at best case, it's middle of the next month. And, and you know, as Greg would say, by then the cows left the barn. Uh, I find out six weeks later, I've got a labor issue. Well, guess what? Every time you run payroll, you can look at labor efficiency. And if you know what your target is, you know every payroll cycle, if I am on target, a past target, or if I'm behind target. And, and, and this is one of those cases to where perfect's the enemy of, of, of finished. So when, so when you, you know, look at that, so you've got the example, of like when I teach my EO Accelerator classes, if, if I can know margin by week, then the nirvana of LER is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I, yep. I have a manufacturing client that they, they know, they, they sell product every week. That's, I mean, this is a large client. And I said, listen, guys, here's the only number you need to know. Two, you need, your salespeople need to sell $2 of gross margin every week 
for every dollar of payroll that's on payroll that week. And that's it. You're perfect. If you're above it, great. If you're below it, you better make it up in the next week or two. Yeah, right. That, that's well, it. That, that, that report I used to run for us, um, man, I say back in the day in the Crabtree Row and Burger days, but uh, we uh, what we did to those listening is was we had payroll every two weeks. In the two-week cycle, we would say, hey, here's how many hours were worked and the estimated billing right. from those billable right. hours, so $20,000, whatever. And then you just, the realization rate, 80%, yeah. take that against payroll, and next thing you know, you got your, you got a, you got a good pretty, idea, pretty really good idea. So yeah. now on the other side, so what if you can't measure margin on a weekly or bi-weekly basis pretty easily? Okay, here's your, here's your other option. So I was teaching an accelerator class uh, up in Connecticut you know, for a group and this young marketing business was there and I said, okay, well, here's, you know, and she's struggling with the concept and I said, listen, we got to get you profitable with what you got. And that, that, that's the mantra. If you can't be profitable with what you got, why do you think you're going to be profitable if you get bigger? That's not so, so here's the deal. Do you know how it, I was, I was there in September and I said, do you know, can you estimate how much you're going to pay in, in, payroll for the month of October. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Great. But so let's say it's fifty thousand dollars. So it's perfect. You know what your billing target is for October? Hundred thousand. This isn't complex math, folks. So, so and then and she she looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate going, huh? Yeah. I mean you got fifty thousand dollars of payroll. And can that group produce $100,000 of billing. So, so that presumes a couple of things. Number one is, have you sold $100,000 worth of work that you're supposed to do that month? So that's step one. If you hadn't sold it, okay, you gotta, you gotta do it. Uh, I gotta do it. <laughs> so let's just say, you know, so in her case, she actually has sold it, but she, you know, here's what she said her problem was. Oh, well, we've sold it, but we, we still gotta finish up work on things that we've already built for. Okay, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know that was that was the previous month's revenue. So what you've mm. got to do is stop letting stuff you've already recognized the income for bleed into your current capacity. And 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 like I said, you've got to make sure you go earn that billing for this month's payroll. And and I said, hey, you, you're going to have to burn the candle at both ends until you get caught up. But You've got to go produce a hundred thousand dollars of new revenue this month and get paid for it for that fifty thousand dollars of labor, or else you are not going to succeed as a business. Hey, Brandon, um, if you could to speak to some of the, you know, we just we just did it a little bit there with you bringing it up, um, and the sort of the flexibility of that number. Hey, we could run it every time we run payroll, but. Tell, tell a little bit about some of the granularity that can be done with labor efficiency, whether that's cross division, you know, client, things like that that will allow us to um, get more visibility into it. The more detailed you can track it, the better decisions you can make. And, um, you know, like we said, we're starting high level here. And as we, we, we talk about the next couple in the next couple of podcasts, we're going to go into the different areas, direct LER, management LER, marketing LER, sales LER. I mean, there's, there's, thousand ways you kind of can, can start to slice and dice it if you have the ability to track it <coughs> excuse me um but you know if you're a multiple location <coughs> excuse me a multiple location business then okay i want to look at ler as not, not just company-wide 
I want to start to look at each location. Why is one location much higher than another's? If I can look at it by division or by segment of my business, maybe you have a business that has <clears throat> different teams that have different output and different different things they do. I want to look at it by team. Um, in some cases, if you can track it, you can start to look at it by customer, client, or contract. And the more detailed you start getting that, you get all the data to know, okay, what have I got to shift and change? So I've either got to, if I am efficient and I'm still not hitting LER target, then I'm either paying people too much, which is rarely the case, or I'm not charging enough, which we many times see. Uh, and so. this is this is kind of the subtlety of why we created LER because you can you know all I did was I flipped the formula to make instead of labor as a you know labor as the numerator and revenue or gross margin as the denominator and give you a percentage. Well, a percentage is a reductive mindset, yep. and I wanted to think about a productive mindset. So labor. A dollar of labor is your input, and so it's always, the in any LER calculation, labor is always the denominator. And for those of you that are fractions challenged, the denominator is the bottom number of the fraction, and the numerator is the top number of the fraction. So I just want to remind everybody what that is. And so you can come up with any LER that I take whatever total labor, a piece of labor, a person's labor, that's my denominator, and then you say, well, what am I holding them accountable to? That's the numerator. Now, we like gross margin of whatever they're held accountable to is best, but sometimes there's not any cost. You know, it is right. in our in our services world, that's just the revenue number because there's not really a cost for what we do. And so we can actually get we know LER by person, we know LER by team, we know LER by customer. And we know uh, LER, you know, by office. And, you know, now the thing, I, I'll give you a good example. I was working with a government contractor as a software developer, and they were struggling. Their LER was awful. And so we dug into it, and I could actually, I knew their LER. First, we looked at LER by contract. Okay, well, you know, we modeled out and say, well, we got to get you to a two. And so, once we had it by contractors, which contracts are above or two and which contracts are below a two? And they had some that are above and some that are below. It's just okay. We got some good pro we got some good patterns. Let's work on the bad patterns. So we dug into that contract of the bad pattern and we looked at LER by person. And lo and behold, oh well, we're not charging for this person who's on that contract. Really? And why not? Yeah. Uh, you know, we thought we'd just kind of you can't just throw it in. I mean, this is this is this is economic inviability, you know. And, and so, you know, and, but it's and then when they started to see, well, why is this employee a, a two point seven five LER and this person's a two point three? Well, they didn't have an answer. Well, why why are we getting the same rate on everybody? And and it was amazing, and I give them credit. I mean, they really worked hard over a six-month period. They they really got every contract above the target LER, you know, in in that process. And, but it was it was just because they were blind to it because they didn't have something to aim at that gave right. them you know what viability looked like. Well, I'm glad you touched on that though because I'm sitting here thinking. 
because I have some I have some clients that you know they they probably have the right labor group there, but there's something else going on that might be pushing it lower. I um, mean, just like you mentioned, we could be off on pricing. We could have bad contracts. We we could have vendor costs that are going up that we're not passing it through properly. Um, so labor efficiency isn't just hey I'm measuring just labor and it's labor's fault as much as it can be an indicator of a problem. It, start, it starts your, the discussion because yeah. yeah. that it makes them dig in and say why why is that and can we do something about it? I had a client with a multi-year contract that was inked in 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with no with no escalation clause in it yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. so they were actually paying to finish the work the last two years that contract yeah, rolled I off mean, and labor yeah. efficiency skyrocketed yeah. so they learned a lesson mm -hmm. guess what the next one isn't written that way yeah i i, I, was, oh, yeah. I was in a meeting with a group of msps yesterday and it was funny the same topic came up about multi-year contracts and it's like you know, four years ago, people thought, oh, a three-year, multi-year contract was golden. And I go, uh-uh, not anymore. Okay. You know, right. I, I even, I even <laughs> want to kick out clause on a one-year contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if our MSP clients are listening to this, you know I work with a lot of you. You know me on there saying about the multi-year contracts yep. and price, oh, yeah. price increases. You got to keep them in there. And that's for, actually, that's for everybody. It's not just yeah. MSPs. Well, I mean, gone are the day. Of, I mean, you can't also, you know, say, oh, well, I got a CPI in there. But have you ever looked at the accuracy of CPI lately? <laughs> I don't think it's a valid measure of what, if you're a labor-oriented business, right. I, got, I got news for you. Especially technical labor is going up at a far more significant rate than CPI is going up. Yep. And, oh, yeah, and real quick, and real quick, just to... Uh, just to put this to bed and, and we'll sign off here until the next one. But um, real quick update on the labor efficiency of our hundred company model. Um, you know, we, we talk about that often and, and everything and, and how, how is that looking right now across that landscape? Just a quick update. So, just what, on the so what's side. really interesting, and, uh, the overall model is about a 1.85. So that's on the 1 billion of revenue. But what's more significant is you take it and we, we've now started splitting it between the companies that are up and the companies that are down. And so this is through October, through November of, of 23. So about 70% of that 1 billion of, of revenue is up year over year uh, at slightly under a 10% uh, increase rate. And I will tell you that almost all of that is price increases. It's not really a lot of output increase, mm -hmm. but still it's, a, it's an increase in revenue. But the group that's up, guess what their total LER is? Now, anybody want to venture to guess? Bueller? Uh, 2.02. <laughs> the group that's down, the 30% of the, you know, about 300 plus million of, of revenue that's down, their labor, total labor efficiency rates are 1.74. And, and their profitability is less than half of what it was two years ago. And that's and so once again, you can't have a discussion about the economy and make a general statement about the overall economy because there's a group that's stable and accelerating and there's a group that is dying yes. and is going to probably we're, we're going to be surprised at the businesses that will become unviable just because what the price they have to charge is just a bridge too far for the customer to pay. Okay, so all right, I'm gonna keep it going. So real, real quick, 
Um, so what what are some plays they can make on that labor side? Um, besides, well, besides just well, I, I think are we, are it, I we think getting it goes, back to really goes back to what we said. Our mantra is get profitable what you got. Well, you got to look at what will the market give me in consistent demand, and I have to craft a business that can survive. So once again, I can't just oh I'm going to grow at twenty percent this year. No, you're not because the market ain't going to give you that. And there's just not enough of those people. But it might be a nice, stable, consistent, viable business. It just doesn't have any growth opportunities. That's not necessarily horrible. You know, I mean, it, is it, can you be profitable within that niche? And, and, and so, uh, but that's the key. But there's going to be some businesses, and I'll give you a good example. I'm really concerned about retail. Retail is facing the greatest challenge of viability that we've ever seen because if you're selling a product that can be bought through another channel, Amazon or just direct to online, you're, you're, you're losing consistent demand and there'll, there'll be demand around hot holidays or those things, but you, you don't get enough consistent flow or margin because that labor that it takes to staff a store. It, it, everybody notices just how skinny the staffing is of every fixed establishment that you walk into these days. And all it takes is a week or two of bad demand, and all of a sudden you, you're losing money. And you know you just don't have enough staying power, you know, to get through it. And and I really am concerned that unless you're you're a retail store that has control of the product and they have to come to you to get it. Those are the only ones. And, and you still have to deliver a product that the market wants wants and, and have right. a, a solid supply chain, you know, but, but I think common retail is, is in, in a world of hurt right now. And um, I, I've looked at, you know, like if you walk into a Walgreens or a CVS, there's like two people in the whole store working mm -hmm. on the store. And these are not small yeah, stores. Maybe. Yeah. And and the shelves yeah. are half empty. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this is this is a sign that we are going to see finally. This has been talked about for years, but I think we're finally in a reshaping of what retail is going to be for the future. And it's not going to be that convenient in the if you need it now. It will be the can you wait for Amazon to deliver? Uh -huh. And that that may not necessarily be good or bad. Now, I don't know. I mean, you got to say, is that good or bad? I don't know. Depends. I got two right by my house, so it yeah. comes in like twenty four yeah. hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, if All Amazon right, well, has it, yeah, yeah. Way to end on a yeah. hot take, uh, Brandon. You got anything else for the group? Uh, you know, like I said, off? I just think the key is track it. When were you doing your best? When, what was that point in time? Set your targeting around it. Uh, be proactive and use it more than just on a month-end basis. And uh, we'll get a little more granular. There's a lot more to come. We have just touched the surface of labor efficiency. So uh, the next couple podcasts will be really good. Yeah, we'll hit your direct labor staff next and uh, followed by the management after that one. So should uh, should be some good stuff. Great. All right, Greg, Brandon, thank you very much. See y'all. Everyone take care. Bye. If you want to know more about driving sustainable profitability for your business or are interested in learning more about CRI Simple Numbers, please visit our website at simplenumberscri.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Profitability Playbook, the Simple Numbers podcast. You can subscribe to Profitability Playbook on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. The views expressed on Profitability Playbook, the Simple Numbers podcast, are those of the presenter and moderator and do not necessarily reflect the views of CRI Simple Numbers or the CRI family of companies. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional advice received directly. Consult with your CRI Simple Numbers advisor or another trusted professional if you have questions about your specific situation.